A quick note about the BeerWise podcast to all you listeners. Thank you for bearing with me during the holidays, which were especially hectic. Um, the goal is always to put out two episodes of the BeerWise podcast a month, which is every two weeks. We don't always reach that goal, but that is that is essentially the goal. Um, sometimes it's for lack of content. Sometimes it's because just life gets in the way. But wanted to apologize for the long hiatus since Thanksgiving for the for a new episode of the podcast. But we do have a special guest today, uh, one that I've been waiting to talk to, and I was able to get down and meet him. So uh, today's podcast is a conversation with Joey Redner, the founder of Cigar City Brewing. So I hope you enjoy. Cheers. Hello, and welcome back to the Beer Wise Podcast. This is the podcast that looks at what's going on in the world, Beer Wise. Welcome to the BeerWise Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Tenote. I'm the editor of Florida Beer News. In this episode, I'm joined by one of the biggest advocates of the city of Tampa and the founder of Cigar City Brewing, Joey Redner. Joey and I talk about his origin story in craft beer from a trip to Oregon as a younger man up to the current day where he just says he dabbles a lot. We touch on topics from why Joey decided to start the brewery, to highlight IPA's creation, to brewer Wayne Wambles and Hoonapoo's Day and beyond. Joey was nice enough to join me at Cigar City Cider in Mead. Here's our conversation. First of all, I wanted to start by saying thanks. Thanks for hosting me. Good to talk to you and glad to, glad to speak here. I want to start by talking about your origin story in craft beer because a lot of a lot of your story that people know you from starts at Cigar City. And I know that there was time before that. Um, what was your first experience with craft beer? Um, it, it, it's more on a gradient. It wasn't like, you know, bam, you know, no craft beer, craft beer. Um, I, you know, I just started out like anyone else. I'm older than most of the you know, it's weird to say this now, but we talk about where craft beer has gone. You have the, you know, you have the, the Ken Grossman's are much older than me, um, but I'm old. Now. <laughs> I just turned 50 and, uh, you know, I, it was the early to mid nineties is when I was really starting to drink beer. Um, and there wasn't a lot of options. So I just kind of, because I didn't like most of what I could get, I just sort of dabbled around and then I found things like a beta was a, a big one for me, um, which is kind of a forgotten almost brewery Yeah. Now. Yeah. Uh, but I was a big Turbo Dog fan. I mean, I, I love Turbo Dog. And, and obviously, Sierra Nevada, there was a brand called Rhino Chasers. But I didn't, I, I you know, I didn't have the knowledge of, like, beer and how it was made and, and any of that. I just kind of like, oh, I like this flavor. I'm obviously imports, a lot of German beer. Uh, I guess the first real craft beer experience that I then, in my mind, tied it to that it was feasible to actually make it uh, was probably, like, 1996. I went to Portland, Oregon for a wedding. Uh, and the the purse the people getting married um, one of them worked at a, she was an artist but she was also a bartender so she did murals at McMinimum's brew pub okay. up there and she also um, she also uh, you know bartended and, and did a lot of the murals and uh, the the guy that she was marrying was uh, Greg Baker who ended up coming down here and, and opening refinery this is before he uh, uh, was with Michelle and so I, I I was up in a place that I didn't you know I I didn't know Portland was known for beer um, but when we, we first go up to the bar and again you have to understand I didn't I thought I didn't like a lot of beer so I was always willing to try something else it, it was one good thing that that you know the 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 
presence of bad beer everywhere was good for me because I'm like, well, I know I don't like that. So if I see something new, I was just ready to try it. Um, and so they had, and I, you know, by this time I probably had had many styles, but I, and I'd been to, you know, like hops. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I, you know, I knew about brew pubs and I, I'd, I'd seen it, but I, but because I guess someone worked there, I kind of got a little bit more behind the scenes look. I got to see go, kind of go on the equipment. And and I think because we were in Oregon, they were getting really fresh hops out there. Okay. And they, they, I think they were doing wet hop, you know, because they could. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And so I just, the, the, the aggressiveness of the hop application in that really hit me. And then just seeing, like, their equipment, just it just didn't look like much. It didn't, it didn't look that sophisticated. So that was probably the first seed that got planted in my head that you could just make this stuff. And, and that's when, and, and so then what did you do after that trip? What was, what so, was did you bring back? Well, so, you know, I brought back a ton of beer because uh, <laughs> in those days you could just take it right on the plane. You'd, I, you know, I, yeah. I, so, so then I brought back a ton of beer and I just drank that for a while. And then as it started to, as it started to get less and less, I would go to what I thought were like better beer shops looking for, you know, like, Hey, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? And they didn't, <laughs> uh, but, but then they could, you know, like they might have, so I, they had, you know, McNinman's has Terminator Stout. Do you have Terminator Stout? No, never heard of it. Don't know what you're talking about. But we have this Stout. Okay. And so, you know, and it'd be like, you know, it'd be like an import or something like, like Belco Sweet Stout from Brazil. Totally wrong. <laughs> Not what I was looking for. But I got to try things and I just started to learn the breadth of the scale of styles. And this is still pre-internet. Um, and then really what got me hooked was, you know, you're always kind of searching, but you're searching by yourself. Okay. And then when the internet starts to come out in the, you know, the early, kind of early 2000s, it's really robust, um, you know, getting online and finding other people in a community that, that, that just, you know, they know so much more than you do, um, or collectively, they definitely do. Um, that's really what kind of got me just really getting into beer and learning about it. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, we- and then, and I would say, you know, just my family group, they knew I was into beer. So, you know, Christmas, they'd buy me a beer book, things like that, you know? Okay. Um, but again, it wasn't an, it, it, when you're in a pocket by yourself and then you get on the, you know, you get online and then you start finding other people. Like I, you know, that's yeah. how I met you. Yeah. Um, you start finding other people and, and they broaden your horizons. Plus, you know, uh, it, when then, you know, what early 2003, 2004, 2005, I don't remember where it was, but you start meeting other people and you meet up and you drink beer with them and then you really get to expand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's when, I mean, it, it's it's still when you explain it to an outsider. It's like, yeah, I just met at this random guy's house that I heard of online. Super sketchy. It, right, yeah. right, right. But, you know, those are the days where it was like, I, you know, I, I would explain, you know, I, I remember explaining to my birth father uh, and his job, like he was a retired sheriff, his job was to regulate the, the taxi cabs and, and that you couldn't do Uber in Tampa at the time. And the idea that you would just get in an Uber with someone you didn't know, a complete stranger, <laughs> was so foreign to his worldview like he was like you were basically begging to be murdered <laughs> which which when, and what, so the same thing when you talk about visiting yeah. random strangers right. it's like well, you might live without guy, a I've never met to drink beer at his house yeah, <laughs> yeah and might get in an Uber on the right. way home yeah yeah so then from there so you were still talking I want to stay in the, the kind of 90s so what was Florida like then when you came home and you looked around and you wanted to drink local yeah so uh, you know in my, you know my gradual sort of always being sort of an explorer looking for beer Anytime I traveled, uh, you know, that was always the first kind of thing that I was thinking in my head. And what, and then when I, you know, I got to travel a little bit, got to try beer in other places, uh, it really it would make me sad to come back to Florida because yeah. I love Florida. But beer wise, we just, we really didn't have a lot going on. I mean, 
uh, you know, you had it around here, you pretty much, I mean, it was Dunedin Brewery was really in, uh, it, the only thing, at least as far as getting beer outside of the four walls. And they, you know, they were doing, they were doing four pack, 16 ounce, like, uh, like little pint bottles that, you know, it's just, so price, it was kind of price prohibitive, you know, for them to get it out there at any sort of, you know, reasonable margin. And then for you, you know, you're paying... God, I think it, it was something like a I don't know, fifteen dollar four pack or something, which you know that's back then, yeah, yeah it's expensive. Um, uh, but but you know, hey, it was something. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Tampa Brewing Company was probably, I think, doing at least for the Tampa area, it was probably doing the best stuff consistently. But again, you could you know, it, and it's you know, we're sitting right now doing this podcast where <laughs> In, Tampa Bay Brewing Company used to be, yeah. currently Cigar City Cider. Um, and so yeah, I, I would come here like really this. There was a, this in a place called Hoppers. Okay, uh, did he did a lot of more experimental stuff, but but I think Tempe Brewing Company did more like American take style, you know, more aggressive hop type stuff. But there just wasn't a lot. I mean, there really wasn't a lot. Um, you know, especially you know, like the, the 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 beer bar kind of thing. Like Orlando had better ones than Tampa did for for God, I'd say. You know, it's funny that Tampa has become what it has beer wise because we were not considered that. <laughs> In the in the nineties and two thousands, yeah. but then you know no one no one in Florida really was. But for what there was, it was all in Orlando. You know, Orlando had the coolest beer stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and the guys that started sharing and that's and, and kind of got the yeah. attention for Red Light and right. building up that way. Yeah. What's so then? What was there? Was there a turning point, or was it something, or or did you just decide? That was that the lead up to Cigar City, or was uh, yeah, were there steps? Well, it, it was very much the lead up, but it was obviously steps. It was it, it was it was a sort of a gradient of you know like it. I probably there was times where it could have gone one way. I could have just stayed being uh, just being an aficionado and 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 you know going to tastings and looking for good beer and, and enjoying when other breweries open. But I think the biggest thing was they weren't doing it. Like the no one else was doing it, and I just. You know, I'm getting all this good beer from other places, and I and you know I'm looking demographically at Tampa. Tampa's big, a big city to not have a packaging brewery. Uh, We did so in the you know again early '90s, and I skipped them. But Ebor Gold, I drank a lot of Ebor Gold. He would do, he would you know his flagship was kind of um, you know just an amber lager, but it was well done. Uh, But they would do seasonally. I mean, again, you'd have to wait all year to get a porter. (laughs) They do Gaspar's porter, and that was awesome. They had a brown ale. but it, it, they came, kind of shot up in their ascendancy, and then you know the politics of, of beer at the time they kind of got yeah. shut down by Budweiser effectively, um, uh, by by their by the distribution rights. Just basically, they're saying, look, we're not going to distribute anymore. It's and probably more than we want to go into. But anyway, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, they kind of came and went. So I'm sitting here then again in you know uh, the mid 2000s, going, it's just ridiculous that yeah. a, a city the size of Tampa doesn't have packaging brew. We had Tampa Brewing Company was really good, and you had. Eden, uh, but I think, you know, Michael Bryant, the founder, I think he just gotten so beat up by, you know, the legislation and, and how, you know, distribution and for a long time he was having to like buy his own beer back from distributors and so they just started looking more inward um, and we're getting less uh, focused on outside the four walls because you know it's more profitable for yeah. him and you certainly can't fault him for that um, yeah. uh, but you know I did I did sales for them so I, I, I just it just got to the point where I just man I really like beer and I like being around beer people and they typically are really cool and I'm happy you know so that's where it really came and then but while doing all of that I was like it's just insane that 
Tampa doesn't have brewery. Um, so it was always in the back of my mind. And I started, I just started looking like, you know, demographics wise. And I, you know, I knew people that worked in the beer industry from being beer fans. Like I'm, you know, I'm talking to people that, that sell beer and they're like, we're killing it with these craft beers. And I'm like, and none of them are local. And I just, I got it in my head that eventually you could do this. Um, and I, I, I kind of slowly started building a a business plan by figuring out why it wasn't happening. Like, you know, okay, hey, Mike, like, how much does the equipment cost? Uh, you know, hey, hey, my buddy Matt, who does sales, like, how much are you selling of this? Uh, and I would actually go actually help him stock when he'd get really busy. I'd go help him stock at Total Wine just because we could talk about beer. And yeah. Stuff. Um, and I, I just became convinced that, that, that a brewery would work. Um, but it still took me a long time to actually, like, get it off the ground and going and 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 it's funny too because i look back and i like everyone no one believed that everyone thought i was insane like and people come you know like people would i'd say oh i'm open a brewery and i and you know, get these old guys that well old they're probably my age now <laughs> they'd be like yeah. well that's a terrible idea like oh i mean look at hops hops isn't around anymore i'm like well, they're around for 30 years i mean shit if i if i get, if i if i start this and, and it's and it lasts for 30 years i feel like i did pretty good yeah um well and they didn't understand the business model and they either, didn't understand where... and it was a very different business model than what i was you know, I, you know I, food was not going to be part of the component just because food is hard i mean it's vastly harder than than beer uh, as far as as far as the margins and and running it and staffing um you know because you need multiple people to to make your food you know you have to run in shifts if you're open in the morning you open the day that's two different people but one guy brews all the beer that you're drinking for days sure. you know, months really so, um so it's just it was a different model but i i just i became convinced but yeah as you said it was step it was step by step by step you just sort of look around and 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 you, i got convinced it could work and there was certainly just you know i'm born and raised i'm a sixth generation floridian and there was certainly like a a little bit of a hurt pride thing that like, why don't we have a packaging brew like when people come here they can go to a brewery um but they the, really the experience dies in those four walls they can't they can tell everyone how great tempe brewing company is but they can't say oh and also here's one of their beers try it you'll agree um that i just you know i just like there's a little bit of hurt pride of being a tampa yeah. kid like god damn it we need a brewery well and there's <laughs> and, and the growler laws at that point i mean we've come so far because yeah. we we forget that the growler laws were so restrictive yeah. at yeah. that time yeah and that's so, you know the, the it, in the grand scheme of things especially now growlers are not like they're not the be all end all but you have to understand for a small brewery it's the only way to get beer out right. you know because packaging equipment is expensive in it and there's a there's a level of know-how that sort of gets step up and i think you know breweries have certainly risen to that because i mean the majority of breweries do some level of packaging even if it's just bringing in you know a, a mobile canner but the majority of breweries in florida do package to some degree but that you have to understand in in 2007 that was still relatively rare again i you know i was starting to brew because there was no packaging breweries um and it's you know there it's it, it's just a whole never another skill level of setup and you can protect your beer. You can keep it cold. You can make sure it's served correctly. The second you put it in a keg, even or put it in a bottle and send it out, you know I don't I don't care how much the sales guy says keep it cold. You cannot. You, there's no guarantee that it will be. In fact, yeah. you you can guarantee the opposite. <laughs> um, so that you know the 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 ability to to really package a lot of beer and send it out and keep it you know keep it the way it was intended to be. Um, it's just there was a huge step up. So growlers were the way that you. Could 
could you could at a very low level fill some beer that it could still be it could still be taken out and shared. So and that's and that's where I mean talking Cigar City now that's where Cigar City kind of made its reputation in the beginning was uh, Highline and Maduro, which is something else I want to talk to you about <laughs> with those guys because that still blows my mind. But um, Highline and Maduro growlers were worth their weight in gold as somebody who traded beer during that time frame. I mean I got beers it, the heavens started raining and when you did 110k two. 110k plus OT batch two, I mean, there was nothing that was off limits at that point. Mm. And so that was where the, the, you kind of built your reputation that way. What did growlers, I mean, even the, the little pill bottle growlers that you had, the 32 ounce glass, what did those do for the brewery? Um, and were they as, as prolific as, as we thought? They, I thought so. Yeah, so well, I mean, obviously, in the beginning, it was the only way we packaged because we didn't. You know, I think our first, our the first bottle that we ever did was Big Sound that we did. It was bottle conditioned. Um, so prior to that, um, it was a way for people to say, you know, hey, here's this beer, I like it. And like I said with Tampa Brugge, and not only do I like it, but here, try it with me. Let's drink it together. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're it's so many, I, I, one, one of the things too, you know, I, when I'm looking at the at the demographics of Tampa. I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of people here, but but there's a lot of people who visit here. Uh, spring training, you know, the, the theme parks, the beaches, and they tend to visit from places that have more more craft beer acceptance and knowledge. Um, and and so and they want to bring that beer back. They want to bring it back from vacation and and share it when they get back home. And um, so yeah, it was a huge it was a huge way for us to get our name out there. Um, it's still it's hilarious to me to think like, you know, you're just like, oh, you could trade anything you wanted for for an IPA and a brown. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. It was a different time. <laughs> yes, it was. Yes, it was. But then, then I want to talk to you about Highline and Maduro because you built the reputation of Florida's brewery, the hottest state in the union, arguably, on a seven and a half percent IPA and an English nut brown ale. How did uh, with, those with, two, with with flaked oats? <laughs> how did those two get established as your core? Because I mean, I, I've had more than my share of highlight, as I'm sure you have too. But it's not the perfect beach beer. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's what everyone always tried to do was make the perfect beach beer. You know, and and, and everyone always believed that oh, it's Florida. You've got it's got to be light, like Blondell's as high as you can go. Um, I, you know, I had created a circle of 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 my friend group that were none of us wanted a Blondell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and and I I it may be apocryphal, but I remember the story that allegedly like Founders was going to go out of business, and they said that you know they were, they were like, screw it, we're just going to brew whatever we want before we shut the doors and the, and I don't know if that's actually true but I'd heard that story mm-hmm. and and that and they put that beer out that they finally brewed what they wanted to drink and and it took off and it exploded and so I just was like well fuck I'll just pretend like I'm going out of business to begin with and I'll we'll Bruce what we like yeah. and that's really what it was like Highlight was was Wayne's dream of, of an IPA that he he always wanted you know like he, he just takes elements from some and built his own and Maduro was my dream of a brown porter you know and and and, and he built it from from our conversations, you know, and that's what you just figured, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, and you're going to be around it all the time, make sure it's something you enjoy a lot. And uh, I, I think I, I think that's definitely and I have and here's the thing. I have no problem brewing um, for an audience. You know, a lot of people sure. look at that as as like just, oh, I would never brew just for an audience. I'll absolutely brew for an audience as long as I get to be part of the audience. I mean, I'm part of the audience. So I'm going to brew stuff I like and I will, you know, I, I, I really think every brewery should tr- 
try their hand at making things that are popular and 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 have the ability to do so. Um, certainly, if you know, everyone sort of builds their own niche of where they sit and what they like to do. Um, but I, I've always, you know, I, I'm always been kind of a big tent mentality. I, you know, like sure, yeah, you know, if you want to bring grandma to the brew pub and she, grandma wants a, a you know a light <laughs> pills, let's you know let let's make one for grandma. Okay. You know. And and so so from there you expanded outward, obviously. Well, my, my grandma liked she likes stouts like me. <laughs> so, so is that where Hunapu came from? <laughs> no, no, no not, not not specifically. That okay. was another one of Wayne's ideas. It was an idea because he used to, he worked at um, oh god Foothills Brewing, and uh, he you know they make sexual chocolate, which is a great beer, and he actually had the idea to do that there, and they were like, oh, that's just too much. And when he told me, I was like, oh, that's that sounds awesome. Let's do that. <laughs> and and so then from so so. I want to I want to go back a little bit then and talking about Wayne because what you had your choice of any any brewers what was it about Wayne that made you lock in on on him as the the guy for Cigar City I mean I, I think being very similar ages you know he's he's couple months older than me um that was helpful i think some sort of musical taste backgrounds that were there's some overlap there but also he he was willing to try new things and i think he he really wanted uh, to to be a, a head brewer again because he had been a head brewer earlier in his career and now he was working sort of at you know just as an assistant okay uh, just kind of shift brewing and and he i think he knew maybe he was a little hesitant but i think he knew he had really good ideas and and it was an it was an opportunity for him to get to go and explore them um, and I don't know it just felt right you know sometimes it just feels right and it just felt right with him okay and then what were what, what was what were the ideas that he had that that well, made that yeah certainly I mean Hunapu uh, you know that that was that was a hundred percent Wayne's idea he he literally built it sort of as a as a concept that he wanted to build around uh, 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 sexual chocolate like he wanted to put those things in it um, and you know they didn't you know they didn't want to do it for whatever reason um, so that was a hundred percent his idea I mean it, it, the, the vast majority of the early recipes um, were were Wayne's I did a lot of the treatments so okay. like I would take the brown ale and just add all kinds of different stuff to them um, but anything that was actually brewed was in the in, especially in the early days those are all Wayne's recipes those okay are his concept his ideas. Now, a lot of them came out of me saying, well, if you wanted to build this, but you didn't want that aspect of it, how could you do that? Well, I'd say maybe keeping the mouthfeel where you wanted it. We'd have conversations like that. Um, and he just, you know, he kind of, you know, he would just, he had the kind of brain where he'd just kind of go through the Rolodex of different ingredients and he'd be like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to do that, then you would want to do this. And and he'd, he'd literally build recipes like in his head and then go actually, you know, obviously actually go do them. But uh, yeah, he all the early recipes were Wayne's. Uh, and, you know, again, highlighted, that was just 100% him chasing his perfect IPA. And how many how many iterations did it take to nail um, Well, you know, <laughs> I, I get, well, for, as far as him doing it, I'm not 100% sure. But anytime you anytime you scale stuff up, you know, Highlight has had, we've had to revisit it, too, because, you know, you're... You, Ingredients supply and accessibility is not always, you know, it's not always uniform. Sure. Um, you know, like this hop, maybe I, you know, or, or or this year's hop, it just doesn't express like last year's did. Um, so you're you're constantly having to tweak the tweak the sliders on the on the mixing board. Um, but so in that regard, it's it's been it's been changed a lot as far as him writing a recipe and and dialing it in. He did it pretty quick because we, we I mean we 
piloted it, and I don't know that we piloted it more than a couple of times before um, before we brewed it, you know, on the 15. Okay, because I know that you guys had discussions about filtration and discussions about um, how long to age it. Because you, 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 the good thing, the the thing for me as somebody who's curious and historically minded is that you posted. I mean, all oh, of the discussions yeah. and all of the uh, the questions that you had, pretty much in, in opening the brewery on the blog. Yeah, um, which sadly was, I think, lost to the oh, yeah. the ether <laughs> yeah. of history. Yeah, I think I don't know how how it ended up getting d- deleted. I I think we agreed to take it down, but I didn't know we were going to permanently take it down. <laughs> well, but I guess there's there's a there's a way back machine, so we probably could find it if we wanted to. Uh, well, that that would be kind of cool to see because even some of those early some of those early recipes that don't they get revisited every once in a while were were kind of cool to see like uh, yeah. Oriba or um, Guava Grove. I don't think we've seen Guava Grove for it's been well. You know, I think they I think they, they you know they're at the brewery now, which I'm not involved. Uh, I'm you know 100 out of it, but I, st- I still go. I still like to see what they're up to, and I, I love the variety. But they're rebrewing a lot of the old stuff. Okay, they are. They're uh, and I don't know. You know how much of the recipes they're tweaking, but I, I go periodically just to see what they have, and and I'm honest, I'll be honest, I'm delighted to see just they, oh, there's a wide variety of beer there. They're they're keeping that sort of that was something I think I put into the DNA of Cigar City was variety, and it's still there, and that's okay. cool. Cool. Yeah. Cool. What's um so then so now we're we're at Cigar City. Let's I want to focus in a little bit about Hunapu, and or Hunapu. It, technically, it's Hunapu, but okay. yeah, everyone calls it Hunapu. Okay. I do too when I'm talking fast. Okay. Um, where did so that, how did that idea evolve into the release, the the basically annual event that kind of helped build Tampa Bay Beer Week? Uh, yeah, you know, I I'll be because the first one I don't it wasn't really an event. It was just like sort of hey, we're gonna have it. We're gonna on this day, we're it's gonna be available and come, and it just became a party, uh, and and it just a lot of people showed up. Um, yeah, the first one was a Friday night. Yeah, in the brewery. Yeah, and and it was. We didn't really do a lot extra for it, but then on the strength of that, because so many people came, um, we decided that hey, let's you know let's turn it up you know more of a more of an event, more of a festival type thing, and it, it grew out of that. And then, so what was? Um and then it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, it just it just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I think you know it just you know right time, right place. Beer release, kind of special beer release things were having their moment. You know, it's it the the the, the guy that is a that is a big craft beer guy tends to come from a, a culture where you know uh, they, they, well you know they has yeah. a little bit of that collectability thing. Um, yeah. And and, and that could be good, but obviously it can be it can be a little bit shitty and dark too um <laughs> and you've you've seen both yeah, both ends of the yeah. spectrum and you know it's weird because i never i really don't i don't like those big events like that like and and i never like i you know i remember i went to to sexual chocolate release once and i didn't get any and it didn't even occur to me that i was like oh well i, I guess i should have been in line earlier <laughs> like it didn't even occur to me that i could be allowed to be upset that i didn't get here <laughs> like it literally was a foreign concept to me like oh you win some you lose some you know <laughs> That's that's ironic. So yeah. then, from, so but then, it's funny because talking to Ryan from Angry Chair, um, there's so much of the beer culture that you, so many people that I got to know in that line that that just became an occurrence. And I mean, there are so many people that I still am friends with and still keep up with 
that at one point you didn't know each other's names. Yeah. He just said, it's like, oh, hey, you, know, you yeah. see those people every so often. You saw them on Hunapu Day, you saw them, and then as more releases and more festivals, you saw them more often. So there's a good piece of beer culture that was kind of built. And now with the apps, I mean, that's kind of, it's hard to lament yeah. not standing in line overnight, but at the same time, it's it's just a different. Yeah, I, I think it was, I think it was a, 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 it was a thing that sort of has, you know, yeah, it, it was a moment in time. And I just don't, I, and I think honestly, you know, if I'm being honest, I think it's a good thing because I think, you know, what I've always wanted beer to be for me is just, I wanted more accessibility. Okay. Um, and, and I wanted it to be like ubiquitous to the point where if I go into any bar, there's a couple of varieties and I can find one I like. And I think we've moved in that direction more. Um, and I, I never, like, I, I never thought, I want, never wanted to be the special thing where it's like, you know, only the people in the know or the cool kids get it and yeah. no one else gets it. Um, and I remember, you know, early on when we would do special releases, my preferred method was not to say anything, just put it in the cooler with a price tag. And, but then that, you know, that made people mad too, because they wanted to know ahead of time so they could come and get it before everyone else and then if, if it sold and they didn't need you well how could you not tell me and I'm like I, I'm sorry I didn't know that I could I didn't know I had to <laughs> I just thought you know it's a product I made it here it is and if you happen by then you can get it um, and but I get I but I think to what you're saying though is is it became sort of a social event and you could you could meet up with people and drink before and after and and, and you know and then you get back and you go over your hall and take your pictures and post them and feel like a mighty king <laughs> got 12 bottles and um, because, I just yeah I think I think it might have been an age thing for you know where it's because I, I would I, I tend to be about you know eight six to ten years older than the average craft beer guy um, so I just think it was sort of an age thing like a lot of them didn't come through the, the dark dry days that <laughs> I did um, and so I, you know I like I, you know, when I, I literally I remember getting excited that Sierra Nevada was available <laughs> you know like, okay. like they have Dude, that bottle of Sierra Nevada is freaking. This place is amazing. <laughs> and then when they ran out, you didn't. Yeah. You didn't contact the distributor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so I think some of it, you know, some of it could have been that. But yeah, I, I do. I like. I see that. You know, it became a social event. And and the reason I don't think you'll see it again is because there's just too many good breweries. I don't need to wait in line for your super special beer. There's six other breweries who make either as good or close to as good, and I can just go order it. You know. Yeah. And, I, and 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 I think that's a good thing but that said yeah i guess you you know you can lament the sort of lost moments of because you know that I, I will say there was you know there's been those big beer fests like that where there's like a bottle release and they can be very fun yeah especially i think when they when you can get other brewers to come from far and wide that you would never get to try and i think we had you know we had moments of, of hunapu or you know you have, you have breweries from from latvia and, and that, that was really cool and and you could be able you could try all these great beers from all over the place um in, in a fest type environment you know and I don't you know I don't know that that it's that easy for breweries to pull that off anymore and I don't know if there's as much demand for that as there used to be well and I'm sure it was a logistical nightmare too because you know for all the for the one day where everything was expressed and everybody was in love there were weeks and months of pulling beer running through distributors getting everything yeah. taken care of so 
Yeah. And yeah. there's, you know, with distribution in Florida, there's always more difficulty too. And there's, you know, there's the fear that, oh, you know, I let my brewery, or, you know, I send two kegs for a fest and now all of a sudden I, you own my, my brand rights. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, and it's, it's interesting from a historical standpoint to see. And now that Cigar City isn't doing the same level of festival, there, at least for the next year, there's four or five breweries that seem to jump in yeah. and try and fill that void. And it took, and then so now it looks like it might turn into Stout Week, although there's a Lager Fest too, but there's so much going on to try and take the place of that of that one event. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I, I it's weird. Like I, now that I now that I wouldn't have to have do. You know, actually, that's not true. I was say now that I wouldn't have to do anything with Hunapu, but in the last two, like got we got to the point where I didn't have to do anything. Like <laughs> the team was doing it, it was all good. Um, but that said, now that I don't have to do anything with them, I mean, I like them a lot more now. <laughs> As a customer, I enjoy them. Um, and and I think it's you know it's helpful again that if I go there and I, it's still how I feel like it, you know also I, I'll be honest like you know if I ask someone for a bottle of beer they're gonna they're, you know they'll probably give it to me yeah if they're willing to talk to me they're probably willing to give me the beer so I don't have to really worry about whether I get one or not but I, I, I honestly the fest side of it it is I, I do I've, I've always liked those environments and, and like you said it's like oh yeah I haven't seen you since the last one and yeah um, but I. It, <laughs> But <laughs> uh, I never liked the other side of it, sure. um, you know, and I didn't like I didn't. There is there's an ugly side of it. And, but I, I, but that said, I think, you know, people have gotten better at running them and they've gotten better at running out the assholes uh, because, you know, we used to always joke that, you know, it's 99 percent asshole free. And it, but it got to about. <laughs> about only 91%, but I think I think through through smart festival running and just you know the community going that guy's a jerk. We we've kind of gotten it back up to where you don't have a lot of the the buffoonery and tomfoolery that we were having. We're just like 96, 95 maybe. I, I think we're pushing 94, 95. Okay. We're not all okay, the way so back. Okay, so 3% we're getting close. Up. But you know, again, it helped that you know it, it started to become a commodity. Like, and anytime anytime there's sort of a cash reward, like, oh, you got 12 bottles. Well, you you can you can keep two and sell 10, and you got paid 300 bucks for the day. That's that's a shitty setup. That's going to bring out people who just don't care and don't care if they're jerks to other people and don't care if it, if it hurts the long-term viability for anything. They just are just there to make the 300 bucks for the day and, you know, and brag online. Interesting. And, and I think that was a bad, that was a bad time in craft beer. And I just, I don't see it as much as, as I used to. Uh, well, maybe I'm not looking. Well, <laughs> and, and, and talking to, uh, interviewing with Doug at cycle, um, but he said that the, one of the best and worst things he ever did was meet demand and try and, and, go against those those dealers mm-hmm. and you know when there's enough then there's not the demand's not there but then at the same time now he's got you could go there today and have eight to ten at least barrel aged variations that are sitting there that are world class and amazing so I mean there's there's definitely right. a trade off too yeah. but people aren't hiring homeless people to go mule for them like they did in those times either yeah. so that was which <laughs> is you know not a good look <laughs> it's not a good look <laughs> yes yes well and then you guys leaned into the skid a few times where I remember one year the guy leading the line had a Cigar City yeah. shirt that you guys made him and the Cigar City Sucks 2015 the Cigar City Sucks shirts that you made for after 2014 so it did and, and I can't talk to you without touching on 2014 when Hunapu Day kind of turned dark and that darker aspect came out um, were you and you were ready to shut down 
future versions of that event. Yeah, yeah. Is that was that a, a turning point? Did you was the darkness of those releases yeah, too much? You know, in retrospect, I I, I I know how I could have completely stopped that whole day from turning ugly because we had police there, and I didn't just go to the police and say, "Kick those guys out." Like I should have just done that right away, but I was trying to be accommodating. Um, but you know, it, but when the, when the police finally did interact, and true and true, you know, ah, you know, as soon as the police said, you know, pointed a finger at them, they all just sheepishly put their heads down and walked away. And I could have done that earlier, and I didn't. Um, but yeah, and you know, I. My whole point of doing it was to try to make it be fun and enjoyable for everyone and make everyone feel like, um, you know, hey, that was freaking worth it. That was worth the price of admission. I, I got to try all this great beer. It was very enjoyable. Got to hang out with, you know, with, with my friends and it was awesome. That's, that's the only reason I'm set out to do that. Um, and so when it didn't, you know, it didn't go well and, and some people weren't happy. And, all, you know, in retrospect, a lot more people were happy than weren't. Sure. Most of the people that weren't happy were people who didn't get their beer bottles. And they didn't get their beer bottles because we were, we, you know, people were going back through the line with their tickets, and and we just we messed that up. But I could have shut that down by just having the cops say, "Look, that you know, that guy, don't let him back in the line." And um, you know, the, the, the you know the guys that are that you know they they'll slam you, uh, you know, all over online, but they won't actually do anything when there's real repercussions. Um, I should have like put two and two together and said, just look, the, you know, the, there's the problem right there. It's about those eight to 10 people. Let's just get them out of here. Um, but you know, I, I, I looked at it as like, Hey, I didn't succeed. So I just, you know, it was the first time we had never charged admission in the past. Sure. It used to be, if you wanted a beer, you buy a ticket and then you use the ticket to get the beer. And this was going to be all inclusive. Like you pay one price. And that was the first time we had done that. Right. You pay one price and then you could buy your beer separate. Um, and then you just drink as much beer as you want for your price. So, so when it didn't go well, I just gave the money back. Um, I so I think it was like fifty bucks a head or something. Yeah. And I just I just said okay, well, just send it back. It was like three hundred fifty k. But I looked at it as, hey, I, 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 it was up to me to do a better job. I didn't. So you know, it, if you didn't have a good day, well, you're you're only out your time. You still got to drink the beer. That was on me. And you know, and and but you know, it's not you know, no, it, it, we still did great. We sold all the beer. <laughs> I didn't give that money back. Yeah. True. <laughs> I just I didn't. You didn't have a good enough time by my by my reckoning um and you know and i, I literally had people i had people wrote me handwritten letters which I just there's so many good people in the world wrote me handwritten letters with a freaking check for 50 dollars trying to give me the money back <laughs> wow yeah wow and so uh, what was it that convinced you the following year that that was that it was time to do this again or that it could happen it, it was mostly staff saying look it, it, we could, here's how we could have prevented it. This is what we could do. Let us do it again. And, that, and it was after that, I just stopped managing it. Like, uh, you okay. know, we, so internally we had staff, uh, Chris Lovett, who I know you know, he kind of came in and, and he, he, he had been involved before, but he kind of came in and made sure that, that there was no way for a repeat of that to happen. Um, and I, for, you know, for my part, I just pulled myself away from it because, um, you know, I still obviously I went I went to all the fest and, and took part, but I didn't get involved in the planning. Um, and I think some of it was just you know it it because I'm the owner. Um, everyone is, and I was always very successful. You understand in the early days, if you came there and got a growler, you got it from me. Yeah. <laughs> I filled yeah. it. So a lot of people knew me, and they just saw me as the way to get around. 
you know, oh, I don't like what the brewery is telling me, so I'll just go directly to Joey and he'll he'll do it. And in the past, that's kind of you know, I'm just I'm an accommodating person, so I did. Um, so when they took the power away, I was like, oh, I'd love to help, but I can't because I don't know how they're doing it. <laughs> and, and so that that actually paid dividends then it, because it was helpful. But you know, I mean, they would basically what they do is say, Joey, here's your allotment of tickets. Uh, if anyone wants one, you can give them those and go away. <laughs> I said, thank you, employee. <laughs> and and you you embraced that. And, oh and, yeah. And, and it was and I mean right up until the end until unfortunately with COVID canceling the last one, but in ten years of and then it only seemed to get bigger every year. Yeah. 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 Okay. So the, from there, Hunapu's wildly successful. The brewery keeps growing. Um, at what point did you decide that you needed to sell the majority share? Um, you know, if I could have come up with a better way, like, you know, if, if it had been like my dad's brewery uh, or my grandfather's brewery, then there's no way I could have sold it. I feel like sure. it wasn't mine. Um, it, it, or, it, or if I had had kids that were, you know, maybe in their late teens or early 20s, I might have said, all right, I can I can hold on to this tiger's tail for a while so that I have someone to pass it on to. But but my kids were still young. It was just this all encompassing thing. Um, you know, yeah, I could have hired someone to run it, but I just felt that just didn't sit right to me. Um, and I could just go, I, I just really wanted to be there for my kids. I watched the documentary on Dick Yingling and he has four daughters. I have four daughters and just, and they're older now. And I think some of them are running it. Um, you know, it's a generational brewery. It's a different story, but they kept saying how they never saw their dad and that they're so happy they can work with them now. <laughs> but, yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, I don't want, I'm, I just, I don't, I want my kids to say that, that they're just so happy they can get be away from me from now. <laughs> um, so that, that was one of the things. And just, you know, also I'm very dead averse. That was a big thing for me. You know, the way it works in brewing is you, if you win, it's, you know, like a blackjack, if you win, you, you take your money off the table and you can stop playing. But with a brewery, you just every step is just incrementally more expensive, more expensive, more expensive. Um, and I felt, you know, I just don't like owing money, even to a friendly banker um, who, who, who likes me and likes my products and wants to, you know, and wants to be as, as agreeable as they can. I still just doesn't sit well with me. And that next step was just, it was going, I was going to go from, you know, a level of debt that I felt was way too much, but reasonable to, you know, 10 times that and, you know, to really keep up with where it was going. And I just didn't want that. And I could, the other option is I could have, I could have just said, nope, I'm going to stay right here. I'm going to stay right around 45, 50,000 barrels. Um, but the second you, and I'm a distributing, I was a distributor, right. which is a different kind of an animal. Um, you cannot go to your distributor. He just, he just plowed a bunch of money into people and trucks and printers and advertising dollars. You cannot go to him and say, uh, I don't plan to grow this year or next year or the year after that or forever. He's going to go, no, no, I get it, man. I totally understand. I'm behind you. Don't worry about it. And then he's going to set up a meeting the next day with another supplier that, that can grow. That's, gonna grow. that's what's going to happen. Because if you're not growing, you're dying in the beer industry. And, uh, it, and that's, that's, that's yeah. kind of a peek behind the curtain because right. a lot of people don't see that. And people, they don't know it again. And again, that's now if you're, if you're a 
3,000 barrel on-premise brewery. You, 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 you know, you can grow a little if you want. Don't grow a little if you want. But once you, once you start getting chain placements, once you start, once you know, you're in Publix, you're in, you're in, uh, you know, Costco. You're in, once you're in those places, you, you do not have the same business. Yes, you're a brewery, <laughs> but it is a different brewery business than a, you know, it really anything up to 10, 15,000 barrels. You start getting in that 30,000 barrel range, and you're in chains. You, growth is what you're. You've signed on for that. And that was, I did not know that because I'd never run a brewery and I certainly had never run a big brewery. Um, I didn't know it. And I did, and, and the realization came on me kind of the way that the realization came on to me that I really love beer slowly and over time. You know? yeah. And by the time I figured out what I was in, you know, cause I really did set out, you know, I didn't buy any packaging equipment when I started. I set out to run a small little, you know, 750 kind of format growler brewery. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, this, it, that's not the way that it went. And, um, and so I just started thinking, you know, it's, and it wasn't like, I wasn't trying to sell it. People just were knocking on the door going, please, please let me buy it. And eventually I just, I, was, I, I you know, I didn't like what the industry I was working in. Cause I don't like being in a big brewery. It's just not, it just doesn't sit my, it doesn't sit my temperament, um, suit my temperament. And, and so I, I got comfortable with the idea really quick. And, you know, I know a lot of people sell a business and it's hard for them to let go. They feel like it's their identity. It was not the case for me. <laughs> it was very easy for me to let go. Okay. So then when, so then, but you were still partially in when you sold I, I sold, but, that may, but that's really more, that's really more transactional structure. They, they don't want you to walk away. They want you in. So, you know, they make you roll over some of the proceeds um, to keep you around. But... Uh, you know, I so I did it, but I knew that I knew that I I wasn't tethered to it at that point, um, and that was really what my goal was. I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to be in that scenario, uh, you know, for the rest of my life with no real way to exit it. Um, uh, I, and I had the opportunity and, and, you know, again, timing was good. Um, you know, they, they paid a lot of money for it. <laughs> Is that, and, and, and then, so how do you go about at that point separating now I'm Joey, I'm not Joe from cigar city anymore. Was it because, I mean, you, you were the face of the brewery, you and your sales team, but then, I mean, people, you said it with Hunapu day, people equated you with cigar city. How do you then forge? Because the, the you're more than the business, but how do you forge a new path, a new identity or, well, you know, do you? I, I, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't even attempted to. I'm just enjoying my life. You know, I'm still, I'm still very involved in beer. Um, you know, it's behind the scenes. People don't notice it. I'm, I'm very invested in the brewing scene in Tampa. I own little pieces of tons of breweries, and I get to kind of be a mentor. I get to troubleshoot some things. Um, I get to be an advisor occasionally. You know, I, I get to actually do some physical work. Uh, you know, to help out. Um, and I like that, and I like the variety of it. Um, and, but if I want to be at the bus stop at two o'clock when my youngest gets off the bus, I, ha I can. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty freaking happy with, with how things ended up for me. And I, anyway, I'm proud of Cigar City. A hundred percent. I'm very proud of it. I love seeing it out there. I love seeing it continue to do well, but it was never, ever in my mind, it was never who I was. It was a thing I did, but it was not 
is not how I define myself at all. And I mean, you know, and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I, I'm a pretty normal guy, but I, I have some quirks and, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, what I love the most about what I've been able to do is if I just decide I just want to go walking like, you know, like a, like a transient all day, I just go do that. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I like that I can, but I also like that I can, I can go, you know, I can go dabble and, and, and be in a, be, be a resource, um, and, and still have fun. And, you know, like we're, we're sitting at cider and, um, you know, I, I loved it. I go checking in Jared. What are you up to? What are you doing? Uh, you know, hey, and then you know, see what kind of ideas come and mess around. And that's, I like that. I like that, and and I don't miss. I you know, I don't miss distributor meetings and and you know, annual reviews for you know, um, what are we going to grow? What are, you know, I just didn't like that stuff. <laughs> so then, do you see yourself getting back into another brewery like cigar, like a cigar city situation? No, no, I would purposely not. I would purposely not okay. do that. Um, I would purposely not build something of scale. Now that said, some of the breweries I'm invested in that are owner operator, and I'm just a minority. If they, if they, I can, t- I can paint them the picture of what that looks like and okay. what it requires. And if they're in for it, then I will absolutely assist and let them go because I don't have to be the one doing it. Gotcha. Um, you know, and I don't have to because everyone's built differently. You know, what I what was uncomfortable for me and that I wanted to walk away from could be another person's dream. Um, and you know, there's some people are cut out for different things. I, I, I am. I am a 12-year-old boy with ADHD deep down in my soul, and I want to wake up and, you know, I, I'm, I'm way more scheduled than I want to be, but I need days where, oh, there's nothing going on today. I think I'll just walk to the park and, you know, just chase the squirrels, do whatever, you know. Everybody needs a squirrel. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I will never get myself into that, that you know. 24 hour a day all encompassing you know when I say 24 hour a day obviously you know I'm not working toward it but, you're, but the last thing Mental the last thought yeah. in your head is all the things that are still to be done um, I'll never I'll, I'll never get back into that situation again but I love beer and I love beer people and I love being around it it's still to this day when I go to a new town the first thing I do is find a brewery I haven't been to and go I still do that I and I and I I get to be more of a beer fan than I really ever got to be, um, you know, at Cigar City. And, um, and it's, it's, you know, it's cool now. I mean, you know, I, people in the beer industry know who I am. So if I, if I go somewhere and say, hey, do you mind showing me around? They usually they'll let me, you know. <laughs> and so it's cool. I get, to, I get to be a geek, but without, but without having to be the businessman that I was becoming, which I, you know, not just not suited for. I got you. I got you. Uh, what was the, what was your favorite memory of the, of, of starting CCB? What, what do you, is there anything that you look back on with kind of graduation goggles? And- so, you know, I, I don't have one single favorite memory, but I, one thing that always tickles me, uh, you know, less so now, but in the beginning, I remember the first time I saw, um, like, uh, Cigar City litter. I remember the first time I saw like a bottle or a can like on the side of the road. And I picked it up and took it to the trash, but 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 I was also proud. <laughs> like you know, I, which is a dumb thing to be proud about. But it's like you know, there's it's still to this day. Like people t- people will be like a Whole Foods and they have like a picture of me. You know, like I you know I I haven't you know like it's been what four six years or something. But you know, and they're like ah I saw you in the Whole Foods. That that kind of stuff is cool. Um, but now it's so prevalent. You know, like 
it, it's lost its appeal. But you know, like you go to a Lightning game, it's there's Cigar City everywhere. Or you, it, you can find a highlight damn near anywhere now. Yeah. So that's kind of lost some of its appeal. But when I see litter, it still tickles me, <laughs> and I still pick it up. And we don't encourage that, but it's still no, no, it's no. Still, put your put your put your trash in the trash can. But, but yeah, just that you know, because I don't know why. I don't know why. I guess it's just still. It's just like God. People just you know like I'm just a the thing that that, that I hope to create is just like it, you know it's just such a ubiquitous thing that you just would crumple you drink and crumple up and throw it on the ground you know it's like yep yep okay well Joe I want to be respectful of your time because we've kind of gone long but I, I usually like to end each each interview with six quick questions a six pack of them okay. and so if you're game I got six more questions All real right. quick let's do it kind of like a lightning round not really but kind of yeah. uh, what's your current favorite beer hmm uh style or brand brand this is such an existential question yeah. for a beer well, person I, 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 okay so so well i'll say brewery not like brand so okay. Bar- berry house a lot just because they just have such a wide variety wide variety of easy drinking beers um and and uh, german beers in general i've kind of you know, I, I, I'm probably on my fourth iteration of cycling away and back into them. Um, but Dunkel is—I'm really in love with Dunkels recently. I don't know why. Um, and and Berry House is, is a brewery that that you know, it's just you—it's you, just drinking beer, you know, yeah. and it's well made, it's very good, but um, but it's just wholesome, good drinking beer. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you could only brew one style or only drink one style, what would it be? Well, that's that's a tough one. Pro- probably brown porter, because it it gives me enough of sort of two worlds. Um, probably brown porter. Okay. Uh, what's the last beer you had that changed your mind? God, I don't. And I asked that question for me, it was Duchess because Duchess kind of changed my mind on sours and it's balsamic vinegar, but for some reason it's enjoyable. And so that, that one kind of changed my mind for me. Uh, uh, I would probably say, uh, 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 what's magnanimous is hazy, uh, juice Lord, juice Lord. I fucking hate hazies, but I like juice Lord. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, what do you, when it comes to beer, what do you wish you really understood? Oh God. So much more. There's so much more. Um, there's so much. There's so much. I've been in this. You know, I've been in the industry for a long time, and I still feel uh, there's new sh- shit comes out all the time, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> think I would have known that before now. <laughs> well, that, yeah, everything. Okay. <laughs> everything that I don't currently know. Okay. What do you wish people knew about your brewery? Uh, about Cigar City or well let's I mean any of the ones that you're or any of the ones that you're invested in now just um I guess gosh that that one yeah okay we we can pass on that one if you want that's uh, I mean your situation is kind of unique for that one yeah Yeah. okay Um, what's the greatest lesson you've learned in beer Uh, you know 
I'll, I, it's a business side one, um, not you know, not a beer knowledge side one. And I, I credit this to Justin Clark. He, he pointed out to me like, it's it's a unique industry, and in you know, like everything has gone digital and technological as far as how you sell things and how you do things. But the beer business is still a relationship business, especially when you get down to getting a product sold into a place. You still got to talk to a person and develop a rapport, and whether it's a bar or or a chain placement, you still it's still a relationship business and you can have a great product but if you don't if you if, if you don't build relationships you're not going to get far and I, I credit justin clark for that one because i just you know i he had a, he had a beer sales background i didn't and he taught me a lot about 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 what was happening inside of my brewery <laughs> <laughs> interesting okay well joe thanks again appreciate your time appreciate uh, the chat at going down memory lane and the history of of cigar city and uh, yeah thanks oh, cool thanks mark yep. cheers man that was my conversation with Joey Redner. My thanks to Joey for taking the time to talk about his craft beer story. And uh, my thanks also to the crew at Cigar City Cider and Mead for hosting our conversation. Are there any guests you'd like to hear on the show? If you reach out, I'll see what I can do. I'm on social media at FLBeerNews or Mark at FloridaBeerNews.com to let me know your opinion and who you'd like to hear from. Please remember to like, subscribe, and follow the BeerWise podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to reach potential customers by advertising on the BeerWise podcast, please reach out to me. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as FLBeerNews, or you can find contact info on Contact Us at Florida Beer News website, which is FloridaBeerNews.com. That's all for now. Until next time, when I'll be back to talk about what's going on in the world, BeerWise. Cheers. Cheers.